Well, welcome to Grace. We are glad you guys are here. Welcome to those of you online. <clears throat> we are going to be doing this six-week series every fall. We do a special fall series emphasizing something very important in the life of any believer. <clears throat> and we're going to be doing that for the next six weeks with a series entitled Bless. Now, we are going to get back to our series, God's Grand Story, uh, right after that <clears throat> series we started earlier. We'll continue on with that. But right now, these six weeks, we want to carve out and focus on this acrostic, the word bless and really what that means as we unpack it. Now, before we actually get into the message, I want you to hear a testimony of one of our ladies that I think is very relevant to having a perspective of how to live in these days. So let's listen to this testimony. Good morning, Grace family. My name is Izzy Agmoye, and you're watching this video because Pastor Gary had asked me to share with the church an encounter I had on Monday, July 18th this year. I was about 5 or 15 in the morning, and I saw myself in a room where a man was sitting with white coats, and I think he had stethoscope, and he was introduced to me as a doctor. And I said, this one, he's not a doctor, I'm going to show you. And as I began praying in tongues, he just the coat literally fell off him and he began manifesting and turning and turning and I walked away and then I found myself walking outside there was a woman who was running towards me, a Caucasian lady and I said, why are you running? Where are you going? He said, I'm running to tell my family Jesus is coming soon. I said, yeah, we know that, we've always heard that and then I proceeded towards the direction she was coming. The next thing I knew was that the whole sky turned black People of God, I have never seen that kind of darkness before. And then, as I looked up towards the right, there was the King of Glory himself, dressed in a robe that I don't have the words to describe. And beside him was a huge being, an angelic being, that I believe is an archangel. His, the color of his skin glowed. And then, beside him to the left was fire, but it wasn't burning. Behind him was a cascade of angels with wings, and I lay prostrate, and I just began to pray, and all I asked is, somebody had hurt me deeply, and I was just saying, Lord, I forgive this person. And I had my youngest sister lying there, I said, pray God forgive you, and the Jesus would turn. As he turned, the whole encapsulation would move it with him, and wherever he moved, the darkness dissipated. And this continued on, and as soon as it was over, I heard a voice say clearly, this is the preface of the coming of Jesus. What is this all the preface about? One, that man was a deceiver, the one in white coat who said he's a doctor. Two, the lady was running to go and tell the family the urgency to get the word out. Three, if you go to Matthew uh, 24, verses 29 to 31, this whole scene encapsulates it. And in Isaiah 60, verse 2, it said, Behold, darkness upon the earth and gross darkness upon the people. He said, but the glory of, of God shall be upon us. So his glory is coming as well as the coming of Jesus. People of God, it's time for us to get serious. Go tell the world and examine ourselves. God bless us as we walk diligently towards the return of our master and our king and our lover. Amen. Well, we are living in the last days, and I keep want to remind, remind us that all the events of history are really speeding toward the return of Jesus Christ, and there's going to be more and more visions and dreams coming, but 
I wanted you to have that perspective as we talk about this series because we need to live with our priorities aligned. And priority number one, of course, is our relationship with God. But then priority number two is, is really having an impact on the lives of those around us. And so we're beginning this series following this word blessed, the acrostic with the word blessed. And we're going to basically unpack that here this morning. But before we get into it, I want to remind you that it is not your job or my job to convert anyone. Someone already has that job. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can convert anyone. Our job is not to convert anyone. Our job is to bless, to bless those around us. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that he would bless him and that he would make him a blessing. And as children of Abraham by faith, we also are extremely blessed and God wants to use us to be a blessing to others. So right off the bat, I want want everyone just to take a deep breath and relax. It's not your job. There's no pressure on you. God is going to do all the heavy lifting. He's the one who is wanting to convert people, draw them to himself, and he's the one who will initiate it, he will fulfill it, and he will use us. So our focus is to be a blessing. And that's the title of our series, Be a Blessing. So I want to unpack this uh, acrostic from the word bless and give you an overview this morning before we start to delve into each one of these five letters during these six weeks. Now, the word, the letter B is begin with prayer. B is begin with prayer. Now, L is listen. We want to listen to our friends and neighbors. That's where it starts. We start with prayer, and then we listen. E is eat. Eat with them. Spend time uh, getting to know them, listening to them, knowing their story around a meal. S, first S is serve. Serve them. Looking for ways to serve them. It'd be a blessing just through service. And then the last S is story. Tell your story. Just tell your story of what the Lord has done for you. So impacting the lives of others begins with prayer. You said just a few words this morning about prayer. Because one of the things I, I, I see in the book of Acts is everything starts with that prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They're in the upper room and they're praying. That's where it all starts. And then we get to Acts chapter 2, we have the Holy Spirit comes upon them with power. So we have prayer, then we have power. But power for a purpose. Remember, we are to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we might be witnesses. So there's prayer, then there's power, and then there's ministry in the book of Acts. There's healing the sick, there's the preaching of the gospel, many are getting saved. But then we get to Acts chapter 4, we have the first persecution of the church. We have opposition. Now, what do the Christians do? They don't get depressed and discouraged and say, woe is me, I can't, I've got an opposition. No, they go back to the prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, 31. What happens? There's more power. Holy Spirit empowers them again. What happens then? There's more ministry. What happens again? Guess what? Acts chapter 5, we have more persecution. What do they do? Do they just quit? No. Are they discouraged? No. They go back to the prayer meeting. 
So prayer releases power. Power releases ministry. Don't be surprised. The next thing that's going to happen will be opposition. That's the normative Christian life. That's the normative Christian ministry. Prayer, power, ministry, expect opposition. Don't be discouraged. Go back to prayer. What's going to happen? God's going to give more power. What's going to happen? There's going to be more ministry. What's going to happen next? There's going to be more opposition. I want you to have that in your minds because as God uses us in our friends' lives, our neighbors' lives, our classmates' lives, when he uses us, it's going to be really exciting to be used by God, but don't, don't be surprised that there's going to be retaliation by the enemy. The enemy doesn't like things taken away from him. And, he, and these POWs, these prisoners of war that we are seeing released, there's going to be retaliation. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't be afraid of it. Just go back to prayer and continue to take more and more ground. So it all begins with prayer. B is begin with prayer. And what do we pray? So what do I pray for my friends and neighbors, those who don't know Christ? Well, let's look at a passage that tells us an awful lot about what to pray for them. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 through 6 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word. So we're praying for open doors, opportunities. So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear. And the way I ought to speak, we're praying for clarity. Verse 5, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. We're praying for wisdom, making the most of the opportunity. We're praying that we would make the most of the opportunities, the open doors that God provides. Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace. We're praying for speech that's full of grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. We're praying that we know how to respond to each person. So in this one passage, it's loaded with how we should be praying for those we want to see come to faith in Christ. So pray for your neighbors, pray for your friends, your classmates, those you recreate around, pray for them. And as you pray for them, pray for wisdom, pray for seasoned speech, pray for open doors, and just pray that God, would you make me a blessing to them? Make me a blessing to them. So don't see them as a project. See them as someone you want to bless. That's so important. So begin with prayer. L is listen. Listen, James 1.19 says, Everyone must be quick to hear or quick to listen, slow to speak. Knowledge and wisdom are not ever gained by talking. They're gained by listening. So we need to listen to our neighbors and our friends, listen, ask questions. Give them time to answer the questions. Listen to their story. Try to understand what they've been through, where they are, why they're in the situation they're in. Try to understand, and that will take and require listening. Begin to learn what their needs are, their hurts are, their interests. How? By listening. Start by listening. Engaging in meaningful conversation is much more productive than just broadcasting a message. We want to be in a conversation with them, and it really begins on our part by being a good 
listener. And remember, it's hard to stick your foot in your mouth if it is closed. As you listen, you'll not only learn about your neighbor and your friend, but you will actually show them you value them as you listen. You'll be communicating love. So B, begin with prayer. L, listen. Start by listening. Not talking. Not preaching. Listen. Start by listening. E stands for eat. Over and over in the Gospels, we see Jesus with tax collectors and sinners doing what? Eating. There's something about sharing a meal together that moves us in a relationship from being an acquaintance to beginning to build a friendship. There's something around, and it's all over the world this way, around gathering around a meal and talking. It's, it's, it's a time to tell stories. It's a time to talk about the things you like to do. It's time to talk about what you've been through. There's so much that happens around a meal. So invite them to, over to eat, you know, or take them out for lunch, but just have some time to eat with them. Because while you're eating with them, you're also listening to them. So begin with prayer, then listen, and then eat. So far, this sounds pretty easy, right? This is something everybody can do. All right, the first S is serve. Serve. Now, I want to unpack this a little bit to what this looks like, and really a biblical strategy that Jesus gives us. In Matthew 12, verse 29, Jesus says this, How can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he plunders, he will be able to plunder his house. Now the strong man that Jesus is talking about here is the devil. And the property the devil holds captive are those who do not yet know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. They are held captive by the devil. And Jesus says that these, the devil holds these people captive. He holds them in bondage. And actually, as he's holding them in captivity, he actually also blinds them. There's a blindness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 says this. In whose case the God of this world, that's a reference to the devil, the God of this world, this age. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Jesus, Jesus is saying that, that if we're going to carry off the property of the devil, in other words, see POW is released from darkness and come to faith in Christ, then we've got to first bind the strong man. He's got to be bound if we're, he's going, if we're going to see his property you know, plundered. So if we're going to have a successful ministry on impacting the lives of our neighbors and friends and classmates and so forth, seeing lost people saved, then the strong man has to be bound. So how do we do that? How do we bind the devil? How do we bind demons? How do we do that? I think if we had just an open discussion here at this point, someone would say, well, through prayer. And I'd say, that is partly right. Our prayers are a big part of seeing the opportunity for the prisoners to be set free. Praying does have an impact on the enemy, and there is a binding aspect to our prayers. And some of you would say, well, all you got to do is say, I bind you, devil. 
in the name of Jesus. And I would, I would actually push back a little bit on that because nowhere in the Gospels do we see Jesus or the apostles ever doing that, ever saying that. Now, they do bind the strong man and plunder his house, but they never say that. See, there's not power in saying that. Let me explain what I mean. I can walk out this afternoon where my truck is parked in my house and go, truck, be washed. <laughs> and it will not be washed until I do something to wash it. And the same is true when it comes to binding the devil and demons. It's not just saying it. There's something we do that binds them. So what is it that we do? This is important that we know. Again, by the way, if a good way to live your Christian life, if you hear some kind of interesting teaching you never heard before, and you open up your Bible and you never see Jesus or the apostles doing it, don't do it. Okay, so what is our model? Our model, of course, is Jesus and the apostles. And so let's see how they bind the strong man and plunder his house. So Luke chapter 10, verse 17, actually, I want to, before Jesus actually sends these 70 on the mission, he's going to send them on, which is actually a mission to bind the strong man and plunder his house. Before he actually sends them, we talk about how he sends them on this mission. We're going to see in a moment. I want you to see first how the mission ends. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. The 70 returned with joy. These are the 70 he sent on a mission to bind the strong man and plunder his house and all these villages. They return now. Verse 17, Luke 10. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So the 70 come back from their mission and they're all excited. They're all excited because why? Because they were able to bind a strong man and plunder his house. Now, Jesus says that he even watched Satan himself fall from his position of power and control over those villages as the disciples did what he told them to go do. So the strategy that Jesus gives these 70 disciples to do in Luke 10, that strategy worked. They were able to bind the strong man and plunder his house. So what's the strategy? Well, let's back up Luke 10, verse 5. Jesus says, whatever house you enter, he sends them out, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So they are given a strategy. Let's just break this down because this strategy works then and works today and it works all over the world. They're given a strategy. Starts off by giving a blessing to whatever house or whatever person they're going to come in contact with. And God will determine whether or not that, that blessing sticks or not. 
So basically what they're supposed to start off doing is, is to indiscriminately bless others. Indiscriminate blessing. Indiscriminate blessing, simple acts of kindness done with great love plays an important role in binding the strong man. Just being a blessing to others, just loving people, just doing acts of kindness and mercy to others is a spiritually powerful thing to do. It is one of the key steps in binding the strong man. And we see that. We see that in ministries that we do. Many ministries we do here are acts of kindness. We, we, we do ESL, English as a Second Language, and many of you are involved in that ministry. And you are doing acts of kindness and love to others. And it is more than, it, it is more than a physical and emotional thing. There's spiritual power happening. When, you, when we do uh, the night shelter ministry, when we do, you know, embrace grace, I could go on listening to all these ministries. We're, we're doing acts of kindness. We are indiscriminately blessing people. And that is important if you want to see a successful ministry is just to indiscriminately bless others. Just look for ways to show kindness. Look for ways to love people. Look for ways to, you know, do good things for them. Notice what something else Jesus said. Verse 7. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. They're supposed to stay at one house. What happens when you stay at this one house? Well, they get to know the people they're staying with, right? They get opportunity to build relationships. They have time to build trust. They're staying in the house. There's all kinds of conversations that are going on. There's all kinds of meals are gathered around. They're becoming friends. There's relationships being established. And loving relationship is also a key thing in binding the strong man. Why? Because love never fails. And so by just, by by continuing in those relationships and building friendships, it is a spiritual, powerful thing. But then something else Jesus says that we to do. Luke chapter 10, verse 9, he says, and heal those in it who are sick. Now here, here it is where we simply want to do something, and I encourage all of you to do it. You're thinking, you know, I don't want to put God on the spot. Let me encourage you. God's not afraid to be put on the spot. Go ahead and ask them how you can pray for them. Just ask them, how can I pray for you? And then when they tell you, Go ahead and pray right then and pray out loud and let God and I'll put all the pressure on God. And you were going to say, if we do that, if we just do that, pray and pray expecting something, something to happen when you pray, pray in faith, there's going to be all kinds of miracles. They're going to happen. God's going to do it. God's going to authenticate the message and the messenger. As we just do it, a lot of times I think we're, we're like, well, we don't want to do that. We feel uncomfortable doing that. Why? The pressure's not on you. The pressure's on God. So just ask people, just say, how can I pray for you? When they begin to tell you how they can pray, just pray. Right? Let's pray right now. Just pray out loud. Keep it simple. People start telling me all their health, you know, health problems. I say, stop there. I'm not a doctor. I just know you're sick. Let me pray for you. I don't need to know all the different things. And so just, just say, okay, they say, I've got this, you know, okay, let's pray for that right now. And then ask them after you pray, you say, did you feel anything happen? You'd be surprised how many people would say, 
you know what? I just, I did actually. And I'm freaking out about it. So give God a chance to show his power. It's very, that's, that's a key thing in people being able to, to really uh, break through oftentimes and come uh, to faith. Here's what Apostle Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. He said, in my message, in my preaching, we're not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would, would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So the release of God's power also binds the strong man and we're able to carry away his property. So power makes a difference. So give God a chance to show his power. Give him a chance to show it. And then Jesus says in verse 9, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then say, the kingdom of God is available to you. You can come into the kingdom of God. Jesus can be your king. How do you do that? Well, one of the best ways to do that, and one of the ways the Bible tells us to do that, is to share your story. And that's the last S, story. Share your story. There's so much power in sharing your personal story. You're not preaching at them. You're not beating them over the head with the Bible, as some people always say we do. You're sharing your story, just your story. And there's so much power in your testimony. And that's something everybody can do. You have a story. What did Jesus do for you? Tell someone your story. There's power in it. For, for over 10 years, probably, I, I was sharing the gospel with my mother and I would just, but I would always just kind of, I mean, it's all just kind of information, her direction. And, and one day she came home after she met, she saw a friend of mine at, at the, uh, at the store who was a Christian and this friend, and she said, and she said, and your friend was kept talking about all Jesus had done for her. And it just really impacted me. And for 10 years, I've been telling her all about Jesus, but I didn't tell her, I wasn't telling her what Jesus did for me. And so that power, that testimony of someone else impacted her life and softened her heart. We have a perfect example of someone telling their story in John chapter 4. Many of you are familiar with the story of the Samaritan woman. After she has a conversation with Jesus, she goes and tells her story, what Jesus did for her. Let's read John chapter 4, verse 28. And 29, so the woman left, this is after talking with Jesus at the well, the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? I mean, how much evangelism training had this woman had before she did this? Zero. Zero evangelism training, but she did have a story. She went and told her story, what Jesus had done for her. And what happens as a result of that, John 4, verse 39, verse 41, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, told her story, testified. He told me all the things that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. So the seed was sown by the woman but God made the seed grow. See, there's power in personal testimony. When we share our story, there is a seed planted in somebody's heart that God will cause to grow. Let's read this, what Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. 
And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. So what does Jesus say grows? What grows is the seed. Now, when does the growing take place? Well, even at night while you're sleeping. While you're sleeping, you plant that seed by telling your story to somebody, and you're not even thinking about it, and you're sleeping, but God is causing something to happen with the seed. He's causing something to grow inside that person because you gave your story, your testimony. I had a friend named Roger, and I would talk to Roger constantly you know, about the Lord. And I was telling him my story. We're driving down the road and he would never respond. He would just drive, look straight. And I would be telling and telling him, thinking, he's not hearing me. He's not listening. And I would tell my story, tell my story to Roger. And then I didn't see Roger for two years. And somebody who was a mutual friend of ours had saw Roger and he said, Roger thought you, I might see you. And he said, when you see Gary, tell him I was listening. <laughs> and he gave his life to Christ. And so there was a seed planted. I didn't know the seed was planted. I didn't even believe there was a seed planted. I just told my story. But God planted a seed, and then God caused it to grow in his heart and life. And so today we begin with prayer, and we listen. when We have a chance with our neighbors. We eat with them. We look for ways to serve them, pray for them as we're serving them and then share our story. That's the, that's the series we're doing for these six weeks. But today, we begin with prayer. I want to ask, ask Larry to come on up here. We're going to uh, have a song, just kind of really, you can join in the song. It's the, it's the Lord's Prayer. But as we do this, if you didn't get one of these little cards when you came in, and on the back of this card, there is places you can write three names. So go ahead and just hold your hand up. And so John's coming through here, and others coming down with cards in their hands. Just raise your hand. They'll see your hand. And make sure you have at least one of these cards that they're coming through. Because here's how we want to close. We're beginning with prayer. And I want to encourage you just to write the names. Now, there's pens in the seat back in front of you if you don't have a pen. Write down three names. Three names of three people you'd like to see come to Christ. Maybe they're three neighbors. Maybe they're classmates. Maybe they're friends, family members. But during these next six weeks, you say, these are three people I'd like to see come to Christ. Write down their name. Go ahead and take time just to write them down. Just write their name down because we're going to do something in a moment with them. Okay, make sure everybody gets one of these cards. Okay, write down those names. Go ahead and do that right now if you would. Just write down three names. These are three people you want to see come to Christ. We're praying for them by name. Okay, let's stand together. Here's how we're going to close this service. We want to not just talk about prayer. We want to pray. And so with Larry leading the song of the Lord's Prayer and the whole environment is going to be prayer. I want to encourage you during a song to take that card with those three names you've written down and just walk up here and just place it on this shelf below the, the word blessed. That we're asking God to bless them and draw them 
to himself. We're praying for wisdom. We're praying for grace in our speech. We're praying for opportunities, open doors. But we're praying for those names. So during the song, just move around, get out of your seat, come down, just lay it down. As you're walking up here, be praying. Just be praying. And lay that card down and then keep on praying for those people. So, Father, we ask as we do this, Lord, we just pray that there would be something powerful released from heaven because we know, Lord, you care more about our neighbors and friends and classmates than we do. And so we're asking you, Lord, that you would, these, these prayers would be powerful in drawing them to you in Jesus' name. So go ahead and come forward as you, with those names and pray as you come. Father, we lift all these names up before you. And we pray with expectation of what you're going to do, Lord. Lord, you said that you, you do exceedingly abundantly above all, all that we ask or think. And so, Lord, we're asking you to do what we're praying and even go beyond it, Lord, for your name's sake, for the sake of the lost. So we pray your blessing on this series, Lord. Use us to be a blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name.